0: Hey, it's time for another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Before we begin, a quick reminder. Never miss an episode of Block Talk by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you love us, give us a review on iTunes, a 5-star review while you're at it. Looking for other ways to support the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com/theaterinthenow to become a patron of the website. By becoming a patron, you'll receive some incredible perks including ticket discounts and the ability to ask our guests a question. Or if you're doing some shopping on Amazon, go to our website and click the Amazon link before your shopping spree. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. I'm here today with the diva himself, Sean Patrick Monahan. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I'm great. I'm so excited to be talking to you on the podcast. I think we've like featured you in every way, shape, or form on Theater in the Now. Yes, you've been very, very good to me. I'm very excited to be on the podcast too. I so let's just start with the information so people listening can get the information at the start. Tell us about everything we need to know about Diva to buy tickets. Great. So, Diva, now
1: newly reincarnated as Diva Live from Hell, is going to be at Theater for the New City. We start performances March 23rd this week, and we run until April 9th. Uh, Performances are Wednesdays through Saturdays at 8 p.m., and then Sundays at 3 p.m. You can get tickets at Theater for the New City's website. Um, and they're also on SmartTix, so you can go to SmartTix.com and look up Diva Live from Hell.
0: Great. So we're going to talk more about Diva soon, but let's right. talk about you first. Aw, oh, shucks. So where are you from? Uh, from Brooklyn, by way
1: of Long Island. I went to high school on Long Island, and... Uh, When I got to college, I immediately denied that. Oh, well, I trained myself out of the accent by just watching Turner Classic movies all my life. Of course. You know, I I taught myself a transatlantic accent, and and that's the one that I cling to. Great. (laughs) Um, And where did you go to school? I went to Oceanside High School on Long Island, which is where Diva sort of comes from, and then I went to Fordham University for college where I studied playwriting and performance.
0: So you've been in New York for always,
1: ever. always. I'm so poorly traveled, I feel. Do you feel like you would ever want to leave? No, not really. I I mean, if the work takes you somewhere. <clears throat> oh yeah, of course. Obviously, I I would go somewhere, and I and I love to travel. I went to Ireland last June. I I went to, you know, Paris on the high school French trip. Um, yeah, I'd love to go somewhere else. I feel like the only other city um, I could ever live in is San Francisco, and even that, I don't think I could stay there permanently because I just don't like the weather to be as nice
0: as it is in California. Sure. Well, it's also <laughs> deceiving in San Francisco because like, you'll wake up and it's really like foggy and gross and you'll yeah. dress really warm. And then at noon, it's sunny and you're sweating your ass off. Yeah, it's terrible.
1: I, I And I went to LA for the first time over the summer and I was mostly very miserable because I would look in the sky and I'd be like, there are no clouds. I feel like I'm looking into the abyss. <laughs> and then the only day that I liked it, I got up one morning and it was just gray and drizzling. And I was like, oh, I, I like it here. This, I like this This variety and a little bit. And then an bit. hour
0: later, it was totally clear. It's artificial. <sighs> like people. Yes. Yeah. So how did you get involved in theater? Um,
1: I was a child actor I would, you know, I feel like it's a very standard way that kids from the suburbs get involved in theater, where I started doing community theater productions, um, and one of the virtues of being on Long Island at that time was that, you know, I was close enough to bounce into Manhattan when I needed to, and so a director who directed me in my starring turn as Oliver of course. when I was 11, he said to my parents, he said, you know, if if he's serious about this, I think that you should take him um, to meet with a couple of agents and managers and, and, you know, he should try his luck. And my parents, not being theater people at all, brought me to a seminar with a manager who represented a lot of children and they sort of thought that I was going to learn how much work was involved sure. and that I would, you know, not really be into it. And it completely backfired and the manager ended up uh, signing me out of that seminar, and I was with them for about six years. And my parents had had gotten themselves into it, but they were extremely supportive and took me to the auditions. And I ended up doing a six month stint in an off Broadway show. And you know they made that work, bring me in every day, taking me out of school, and. Um, and yeah, so that was my child acting path, and then I left the business when I was sixteen because I really wanted to go to college and I wanted to study writing, and uh, then I got out, and now I'm, I'm back in action. I feel like it's was, like a sequel.
0: Was the first thing you said when you went to went to Fordham that my fun fact is I was a uh, child star,
1: a child star, um, and an almost child star, a <laughs> not even close child star. I I mean I loved. I love the, and in Devo, which we'll talk about, like, you know, as you know, I love making great cheese of the, like, theater experiences I had when I was a kid. Um, Yeah, no, what I I love doing is playing the part of the jaded, bitter, failed child actor. Right. Because all of the other boys in my sort of audition friend group that we got called in together all went on to be, uh, you know, Nick Jonas and...
0: Oh, of course. And, uh, everybody Him. else, yeah. So, so let, let's talk about Diva uh-huh. alive from uh, yes. hell. Yes, tell us about the show. Well, it is
1: very different from when you would have last seen it. Oh, okay. Um, and from the time before that as well. I it was originally just that solo comedy act, Diva, that I did at United Solo in 2013, and. Then Alex Oyen approached me in the summer of 2014 and asked if I had any interest in turning it into a musical, and I very much did. And so we turned it into this 75-minute solo musical, and it was a lot of fun, and we did workshops of it in 2015, and I was pleased with it, and we got some nice attention, and, and... We had some lovely conversations start with people about doing a a production, a limited run production, and then looking to move it in the future. And I was very happy with it, and last summer we worked it out, and it was going to be at Theatre for the New City. Um, And then, as it changed everything, it's going to sound so silly, that my camp comedy musical was affected by the election, but it was because one of the the framing device of diva was that the main character Desmond is about to be executed in the electric right. chair and when i wrote it in 2013 the electric chair and the and capital punishment felt very much like this you know anachronistic thing that was well on its way out sure and then the election happened and not only did we take a sharp turn to the right but also In Nebraska and California, they voted to, you know, reinstate and sort of strengthen their capital punishment laws that they have. So suddenly it felt, like, not so funny. Mm -hmm. And I reconceived of the show, instead of being a cabaret act in an execution chamber, as being, like, a cabaret act in hell. And it has opened up so much for us and so many possibilities visually and in terms of storytelling. And even though it's changed... Some of the plot, including the ending, very significantly. Um, I could not be happier with it, and so that's where we're at now. It's a, you know, high school drama club president who gets dethroned by the new kid, and murders him, and that's the premise. And now he has to relive that horrifying, humiliating downfall
0: over and over again in this cabaret act in hell. So, just so <laughs> everyone's aware, this is not based on a true story, correct?
1: <laughs> I've, I've, I've paused for too long. No, it's it's not. It's it's um it's based on, not based on, but it's like inspired by all about Eve and Sunset Boulevard. Sure. It's like one of those, you know, old East Village genre parody spoofs, um, l- like Charles Bush, Charles Ludlam, um, salty brines at like the Red Room and stuff. It's 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 like one of those, um. Yeah, it's not based on real events. Although, in rehearsal, everyone who's working on it, we keep keep saying to me, like, oh, man, I was totally like this character in high school, and sure, I sure. totally yeah. like this character. Um, and the other day, I was saying a, a new line that when I wrote it, I had f- not remembered that it was, like, a real thing that was said to me by a, a drama teacher. And then as I was saying it in a run last week, I was like... Oh my god, this is what Mrs. Kayet said to me (laughs) after the performance of Cinderella when I got in trouble. And yeah, so it's like, you know, it it all bleeds through. Um, But I have not murdered anyone.
0: Yet. So this is very much a character driven play. Yeah. Um, Have the characters evolved since that first um, production at United Solo? Or have they stayed the same? I think they've evolved a lot. I, I don't think they had evolved
1: much from United Solo to the workshops we were doing in 2015. Um, there were some new character you know, story beats and some new arcs. Um, but in terms of how I played them, it was very much the same right. as I had originally. But... Th- our director, Daniel Goldstein, who's been really wonderful, has really helped me mine, like, this great deal of empathy in them now that's made it much. It's still fully, like, camp comedy, dark camp comedy, but it's much less, uh, stock character. Sure. Than it was before. It feels much more real, and I think that it makes the you know, the nostalgia factor a lot more effective, and I think it makes the ending a lot more effective. And it's something that I've been trying to learn since I first wrote Diva for the first time. Charles Bush, who's a friend of mine, he read my very first draft, and then he spent an afternoon with me where he, we went through the whole script, and he gave me notes. And one of the things he said is that, you know, in camp comedies, and I didn't, fully understand it at the time but now it's totally true of all of his plays even though the audience is receiving it very sort of ironically and in a slightly patronizing way of the characters for the characters it is gravely serious and Charles I didn't fully appreciate this until he told me to apply it to my Mm -hmm. own work he never condescends the characters within the context of what they're saying and what they're doing and that's been a really big step forward for me in this draft, um, that I'm very very proud of as a writer and as an actor. Do you have a favorite character to play? Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Evan Harris is is my favorite to play. He is the you know skater boy villain of the piece. Evan Harris, who's like a, a Ev- Eve Harrington knockoff and uh he is so profoundly a-, a person like every person i knew and hated in high school that it is so delicious for me to get to right. play him. <laughs> do you have any do you have a favorite character that you've liked watching in the show? Oh, I know I mean, you've they're, seen they're it. all
0: I mean, Desmond is great. Well, Des- I mean, Desmond's the heart and soul of the show. So yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy them all. They're Thanks. Because I, I all watch um, How's the Show many times and be yeah. like, that's just a great character study on how to play multiple roles. Thank you. Because not many people can do that. Thanks. And pull it off well. I
1: really appreciate that. That means a lot. I mean, I think that song, for example, How's the Show, which you can view on YouTube if you search How's the Show sean patrick monahan or how's the show alexander sage oyan it's on alex oyan's youtube channel
0: and i will say that the version from the theater the now concert will be available very soon
1: oh good oh i'm glad to hear that
0: um yeah alex
1: i just think he wrote a great song and he gave me the opportunity to to play multiple parts within a single musical number which is so exciting and I really appreciate you saying that because it's, that's my favorite number to do in the show. Because I had to was, bounce back and forth.
0: Absolutely. What was the collaboration process like? Did you just hand over the original drafts and say, do something with it? Or was it you sitting together and being like, okay, here's where a musical number could be. This is the theme of that moment.
1: Yeah, it it's so interesting because I had a full version of the show before I even met Alex, right. and you know we did uh, you know performances. It you know it it was reviewed, it was published, it you know so it had its own life. And then when Alex got involved, it, I didn't want it to feel like it was like my show that he was a hired hand to write songs right. for. So when he and I started working together. Um we re-outlined the whole thing. And we had the original script with us, but as we mapped out the story beats, but we re-outlined it all. Like, we didn't just look for where can we plug in songs, we sort of re-charted the whole play. And, and as a result, events moved around as well based on, you know, how it would be laid out best for the score, and um, and he had some really terrific character ideas for numbers that really helped um, me in recharting it, and that's how we did it. And then, as as I sort of reconceived of this um, hell cabaret act, I took some time and wrote um, some new scenes for the beginning and the end, and sent those to him. And then we redevised it from there.
0: It's great. Yeah. Any new characters? Um well, for the very first time
1: there is this weird thing where when I wrote it in twenty thirteen, the character of Sarah Siddenbacher, who is the object of Desmond's affection, who then Evan is dating, I never wanted to like hear her talk. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time, we do get to hear her speak in this new version. It's very briefly, but it is one of the funniest moments in the show that that Danny uh, and Alex have pushed me to to include. I'm very, very pleased with it. Um, But other than that, I don't think there are any new characters, just certainly new character. Oh, actually, that's not true. There is a new character in the play. I don't um, play him, but he is a very present character, which is Desmond's favorite actor is Kevin Klein, who is now, like, and, and he's playing the Pirate King. Desmond right, is playing the Pirate absolutely. King. And so now Kevin Klein is, like, this deity figure overlooking oh the God. entire show. Um, yeah, so he is legitimately, like, a new character in the play, Kevin Klein,
0: Have you invited Kevin Klein? He'll be in town.
1: I know, I know. And... And it's like super funny because our costume designer is dating the director of Present Laughter. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, um, no, he he is not. Um, I have not reached out to Mr. Klein yet.
0: Have you heard the Forbidden Broadway parody of Pirates of Penzance?
1: Oh, of course, yes. I just that's that's I Forbidden think about Broadway it. Volume
0: One, right? Yeah. That's, that's, oh, yeah. I am a Kevin Klein.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I when I was, I think, 11 years old for my birthday. This is how diva I am. This is, like, how deep it runs. For my 11th birthday, I got the four-volume boxed set of the Forbidden Broadway right. CDs, Volumes 1 through 4. Um, yeah, I was a Forbidden Broadway fanatic.
0: It's a great, great They're so vehicle. funny, yeah. You mentioned it, but define diva for us. Diva. Um...
1: Yeah, that's that is a good question. I I struggle to define it because, you know, if I say the wrong thing, Patty Lapone will come and kill me.
0: Yes, that's, she that's will. A, that's a big fear
1: of mine. Um, yeah, I mean in terms of the show, we are talking about the absolutely um stereotypical narcissistic, unkind, self-obsessed uh self-aggrandizing performer but sort of the trick is that the person does have to have like a modicum of talent right they have to be talented and that's you know the seed of where they they grow their outrageously overblown ego so desmond is like the best kid in his high school drama club Uh, And then as such, she just becomes an absolute tyrant. Right. And so that's the school of diva that we're talking about. When I talk about divas in in life, I generally just mean like those larger than life, you know, big personality female performers. um, The Judy Garland, the Stritch, (laughs) the Ethel Merman. Um, Yeah. But in terms of the
0: show, we are talking about nightmare diva. That kind of diva. So I'm gonna um, inflate your ego a little bit. Oh please, um, do. you are a very <laughs> talented multi hyphen artist. What is it like being a multi hyphen artist? Multi Well, I mean, I I've had two first names since I
1: was I was a kid. So so <laughs> I, I suppose it just seemed like a natural flow of things. It's so funny. Um, first of all, thank you very much. That's very very kind of you. And I know you to be a person who does not uh, just sort of blow smoke. And so it really means a lot for you to say that. Um, I never, I still don't really think of myself as a, as a multi-hyphen artist because when I was a kid, I wanted to be, when I was three years old, I said I wanted to be a director but I didn't actually understand what that sure. meant. The only director who I had heard of, like the directors I had heard of at the time were like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Right. And what I meant is that, like I wanted to be a storyteller. And as a child actor, to have come into contact at such an early age and so, you know, sort of um closely with Charles Bush, who's playwright performer throughout his career, I, n- I never really conceived of them as separate. I love performing, I love writing, and in a show like Diva, uh, me acting it is part of the narrative. Do you have a preference between acting and writing? Um, yeah, I, lo- I prefer writing. I love acting my own work. I love acting in material that I really love. But um, what you can't do when you're acting in somebody else's material is you can't change what's around you and, you know, modify, you know, what is written, you know, to serve what you want to communicate. There are confines. And I love acting in my own work because I can change, and not just like change to serve myself as the performer. It's I discover things in the performing of the scene with another actor, and I can change, th- change things for them, change sure, things sure. for those around me. Um, I really, I love doing both at the same time. That's a fair answer. That's it. What do you want to write next? <clears throat> what do I want to write next? Well, in, in December, I wrote a play that Less Than Rent, who they originally developed diva with me at United Solo, um, they invited me to write a play for the Sanctuary series at Here Art Center, and it was called Radham Sad, and it was like a Marat Sad take on the 2016 election and on the life of Hillary. And it was a very cathartic thing to do, um, you know, and it was sort of like a morning play. Sure. And... I'm really glad I wrote it, and a lot of people responded very well to it, and, and a lot of people encouraged me to develop it further. Um, but I have just sort of tapped into the anger now. I'm not mourning anymore. And the thing that I want to write next is the is the anger play. Right. And I know that's very vague, but um, I – yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I'm
0: at. I think that's all I can say right that's now. That's fine. That's yeah. totally fair. Who are your dream collaborators? That's such a great and nice question.
1: Um, uh, right now, I uh, God, I'm and I'm gonna give such a freaking gross answer <laughs> because I'm like I, I right now I love the people I'm working with so much. Um, I, I love working with. Alex Oyan, I love working with Danny Goldstein. Um, my dream collaborators right now are are people who I'd like to collaborate with more, who I've collaborated with. I'd love to collaborate. Carl Andrus directs um, Charles Bush's work a lot and I've known him since I was a kid and he he's directed me in Times Square Angel at Theater for the New City every year since I was 11. Um, I would love to, to develop a play with him. Um, I loved, I worked on um, a, a musical at the Minetta Lane, himself and Nora, with Jonathan Brielle, and I got on so well with Jonathan, I would love to develop something with Jonathan. I worship the ground that Grace McLean walks upon. I spent two weeks with her at the Johnny Mercer colony. I would love to develop something with Grace, for Grace um yeah there are so many cool people that i'm meeting and that are around me at all times i just sort of i i'd love to continue working and working more deeply with a bunch of cool people i've met
0: yeah yeah you mentioned Times square angel Mm -hmm. and that you've been playing that part since you were 11. i know (laughs) do you see yourself doing diva at
1: like age 50? I yes, I mean, I'd love to. It would be so dumb and so silly. <laughs> um, there's definitely a world in which I'd love to treat it like, like that, like Charles's shows, where he he will never age out of those parts. Sure. I mean, he, he's been playing so Irish O'Flanagan, his character in Times Square Angel, is 24 years old, and <laughs> he said he'll play her till he's 75. Um, and I love that and. I'd love to do that in D.Va, or to sort of treat it like a, you know, Hedwig in the Angry Inch and come back when I'm sort of weathered. Right. Um, yeah, I I think it would be funny. I, I'm not sure how it would function in the piece to have Desmond aging rapidly in mm-hmm. hell. Um, but hey, it's I hell. mean, he's, do it's anything. hell. He's, he's done the show 6,201,985 times at the top of the play, so... I should definitely be a little bit grayer than I am yeah. right now.
0: <laughs> what is the best thing you've ever seen? The best
1: thing I have ever seen. Like in any medium or particularly theater. What are we let's, talking us Let's start the with the theater and then you can give us
0: the any medium.
1: Um, The best thing I've ever seen was Lucas Nath's The Christians at Playwrights Horizons. Okay. That's the best thing I've ever seen. And I love me some snot acting. Uh-huh. And when I see somebody crying and it got snot pouring, I'm like I am with you.
0: So and in the Christians in the end, I was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So you have like Viola Davis and Anne Hathaway's uh, performances like on repeat somewhere. Uh, certainly, Viola Davis. Is, yes, not Anne yeah. Hathaway and Lamez. That's not acting didn't do for you. No,
1: it did. It did. I I absolutely adored it at the time. I can recreate her exact phrasing of the entire song. I dreamed a dream.
0: What about the snot bubble? Can you the just, snot
1: bubble great. Can I recreate the snot bubble? I'm not. No, I'm certainly not Oscar worthy <laughs> enough to recreate the, the snot bubble. Um, oh man, but Viola Davis is That's, just the best. Her scene in Doubt, that's the exact same thing, too. Oh my god, the snot. And it's just, I'm like, you are an actor. You are so good at acting. She is good. Did the snot out of yourself.
0: Alright, so yeah, The Christians as your piece of theater. What about TV film? TV film. Um, Sunset Boulevard
1: right now because I'm in the diva world and then the one I always go back to is The Graduate is my my favorite work of film. Um, But as bonkers as this is going to sound um the like performer who and performance that i go back to the most is grace mclean Mm -hmm. and i know i said that i like spent two weeks with her at the mercer colony so it's going to sound like i'm plugging my friend grace but like i do not know her well i adore her and i go back to see her in concert and it's like I am watching the frickin' Beatles every time (laughs) I go. Um, It is such an amazing combination of persona and, and, I mean, her singing talent and then her musical talent on the looping pedal that she uses uh, and with her band and her songwriting. It is, like, exactly what... If I were that talented of a musician, that's the kind of thing I'd want to do, where the narrative and and the form and the persona are all the same thing um and so especially as i'm developing diva i just keep thinking about the way she performs and melds all of her
0: work into one that's great we're gonna move into some fun divalicious questions yes who is the ultimate diva who is the ultimate diva
1: well again if i answer this the wrong way patty lapone is going to kill me um Well, fictionally, Norma Desmond is the ultimate diva. And that's, I mean, Desmond Channing is Norma Desmond and Margot Channing from All About Eve. But Margot, her arc arrives at a place of, like, greater understanding and where she's, you know, come to reflect on the events that have happened and self-assurance. And Norma's is, she's like, oh... I can't have what I want. Let me jump into pure fantasy in order to maintain my ego and my sense of self. She needs to completely immerse. That is the ultimate
0: diva. Yeah, that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is a typical diva regiment? How does a diva prepare?
1: How does a diva prepare? Well, I mean, uh, on on my way over here, I ate an entire box of Girl Scout Tagalongs. Okay. That is, that's my (laughs) regimen. For me. That's me. Um, yeah. I'm sure there are all sorts of things you're supposed to do. Uh, Judy would say, you know, that you need the, you know, onset doctor to come and like give you uppers (laughs) right before and and then give you downers immediately after the take. That was her regimen. It didn't work particularly well for her. Not Um, at all. But she made some good art though.
0: Where do you go for a post-show drink?
1: Well, obviously it depends on the theater. And, (laughs) oh, it's going to sound so sad. Um, Post-Diva, I imagine if I have the energy to go out for a post-show drink, that I will make my way over to the Queen Vic on Mm 2nd Avenue. We started going there because... (laughs) <laughs> no one else was there. Right. And then it beca- and now it's become this like a thing. weird college bar where all of these kids like migrate from Marymount and Fordham to go down to the Queen Vic, which we started going to because it was empty after our shows at the Crane. and right. You know, we wanted to be loud, obnoxious, twenty-somethings there. Um. And that's probably where I'll end up.
0: I'm gonna put you on the spot now. Yes. And I want a true, honest answer. Mm-hmm. How many Broadway shows have you seen?
1: A true, honest answer. Uh, man, I've never counted. I've never, know. I've never counted. And you call yourself a diva? I know. Well, I sort of, I, I, have s- seen, I saw so many when I was in high school that I sort of stopped counting because it was sure. like my thing. And I would go see things multiple times and I couldn't tell, you know, if that What counted. have you
0: seen the most? Oh
1: God. Hmm. Phantom of the Opera. I've seen the most, wow, of course. Okay. Uh, okay. Followed closely by Rent, which is, it, it, this This is totally off-brand for me. This is damaging my brand. Um, but when I was in high school and when I had child acting money and I spent it like it was nothing and I didn't yet realize that when you take money out and don't put money in, the numbers go down. Sure, sure. So I had this group of friends, of ten friends, in my grade. We were all in the thespian troupe at my high school. And for their 16th birthday, I took each of them to see the Broadway show of their choice. And wouldn't you know, I saw Rent... Five times. Same cast? No. different. It, but it was like over the last six months. They had just announced that they were closing and then they ended up extending a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. So I saw it, I think, twice with Adam Pascal and Anthony Rapp when they went back. That and was then something. I saw, yeah. And then I saw the last cast like three times and it was just bonkers. <laughs> and then when my friends, you know, I had two or three friends who would reciprocate and ask me, what show do you want to see? And I was like, Boeing, Boeing. Take me to Boeing, <laughs> Boeing. Um... Which I loved and which was oh, of the best thing that I had seen that year. Um, so I don't even know. I used to go when I was in high school at least once a month, which doesn't sound like a lot. No. But that was once a month as sort of a regular thing that I would go with Charles to the theater about once a month. And sometimes we would do two show days. Um, and then I would also go with my friends other times. That's great. Yeah, and see Bizarre thing. Same thing. They all went to Student Rush Spring Awakening one day, and I was like, oh my god, I have to see Mary Stewart. I am so excited to student oh rush Mary Stewart.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I student rushed um, Spring Awakening a bunch of times. I went yeah. for those understudy performances. Oh, yeah. That's how I yeah. saw Matt Doyle. What was it,
1: oh, Matt Doyle? And was mm-hmm. Phoebe
0: Stroll? Was she one? Um, or she was the tour Vendla. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. I, I don't think I ever saw her on as Vendla. I'm going to ask you a very hot-button topic. Excellent. Should a star stage door?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think so, but I also don't know what it means to be a star. Oh, so, shut up. No, but so it's like I I have enormous empathy for people who are... It also sort of depends on the like caliber of star. Right. I, I would understand if... You know, like, Barbara can't stage door, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's also probably just too insane to stage door at this point. But, uh, you know, if you're a theater star, I think, yeah. I think, yes. I'm I, sorry. I, I agree. sorry. Patty's gonna kill me. I know. She's gonna kill me. Because
0: uh, I was talking to a couple of friends who went to see Warpaint, and yeah. one out of two came out. Of course, yeah.
1: Yeah, I... I do, I have a lot of empathy for, you know, people being tired and and you come to see the performance. So uh, I'm not necessarily sure that I feel like the, the stars, like, owe it to necessarily go out and sign every autograph and take every picture. But if you're... I just come. I just yeah, think you should. I, I mean, and again, purely because I'm in a position right now where I would love to leave the stage
0: door of the Walter Kerr every night and and sign autographs for my adoring fans. Um, but you heard it here first. When he is a star, he will sign every autograph and take every photo.
1: I will. I will. In the nude,
0: if if requested. Uh, well, there. <laughs> it's now on record. That's yeah. We're gonna move into our pop five rapid fire questions. Great! So I have five pop culture things that you are going to give like first response. Word oh my God, phrase. I'm gonna whatever have you like. no idea. I'm gonna have no idea. You
1: is it popular culture of today? Yeah. Oh, I'm so screwed. Yeah, I know no, pop you'll be culture fine. of 1955. You'll be, you'll, you'll really be fine. Well. I think. Okay. Okay.
0: So the first one is Warpaint. And I just
1: respond with the <laughs> yeah, first thing off respond. the top of my head. Um, Grey Gardens two. Are
0: you excited to see it? Yeah, I am excited to see it. Do you prefer one over the other?
1: No, I genuinely don't because they are both so different. I, I mean hope, I hope I don't know much about the show, but I hope there's a belt off. Oh god, I know. Who would win a belt off? Patty would win a belt off. Kristen would win a uh, you know, beautiful mix off. Yes. Uh, yeah.
0: Number 2, Christine, I mean, I think yeah. it's Kristen. Well, Kristen, probably you have to edit that out. It'll damage my brand. <laughs> Number two is RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, yeah. All mm. right, not a fan. I
1: um, I don't I don't watch. I'm v- extremely particular in sort of how I I've just had very old fashioned tastes. Sure. And and the the pop culture icons that are now sort of evoked and the pop culture moment that's now evoked in a lot of drag performers is not a pop culture frame of reference that I possess. So I obviously don't enjoy it as much as I would enjoy watching John Epperson do a lip sync act right. because literally I can hear every single one of those quotes and I know all of them and Absolutely. you know it's, it's delightful. But watching RuPaul's Drag Race I, I'm out of my depth because mm-hmm. they're alluding to figures of whom I know nothing.
0: That's fair. Yeah, You should give it a shot. You should try it. A okay, bit. <laughs> and because this new season starts on Friday. Okay. Uh, and Lady Gaga is on the first episode. It's a big draw.
1: Yeah. So that's like a pop culture icon yeah.
0: with whom I don't have as deep a connection I mean, as like they as they, they they do things from the past. Like they yeah. did a uh, challenge in All Stars where they um, had to basically mock up. Um, uh, Betty Davis and John Crawford. Yeah, Those that's very iconic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really campy and gay and yeah. hilarious. And
1: I've and I've seen some really wonderful, um, like clips and performances and performers from it. I it's just not all my.
0: That's fair. My world.
1: Yeah. All right, number three. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close. <sighs> I love Glenn Close. I do. I love Glenn Close. I cannot believe that she's doing sunset again right now and i to be honest cannot believe if i were andrew lloyd webber i would have said i would have called patty and said like we'll give you two million dollars you have to do it that would have sold out they could have sold a thousand dollars a seat and that would have sold
0: out well she wanted her broadway production of it she never got it yeah so that's it yeah That'd be interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm. I've heard clips of her singing the mm-hmm. score, and I'm like, mm, Patty. Yeah. I mean, the I. I have too. I that
1: London album. Um, the only thing I felt is that she just sounds so young yes. on it. Yes, she does. She sounds so young. I mean, her voice is still so like youthful and glorious. I feel like now is the perfect time for right. her to do it. But I love Glenn Close. World according to Garb the <laughs> performance in that is so
0: Wait stunning. you're saying Hundred One Dalmatians isn't her greatest performance well, ever? I'm not
1: saying that. I'm I'm not saying that, but uh You're saying that. But I'm saying that. <laughs> Alright, number four is Beauty and the Beast. Um, man, I, I have to say I was I, I know Disney is trying to be progressive, but I was so shocked by that, you know, hardcore anal scene that they added in right, and Beauty of course. And the Beast. My God, I mean it was just absolutely I just thought that was a little far. <laughs> yeah, Beauty and the Beast. A, a story about a woman falling in love with this anthropomorphic beast, and everyone's up at arms because there's like maybe a gay scene. That's obviously not actually a gay scene. Come yeah. on. Come on. Subtext. We yeah, are, we exactly. Already, we and it's already. always been there. Exactly. It's like Silly. people just literally have never seen a movie before.
0: No, they just want to get up in arms about something. Yeah. All right, number five. She just needs one word. Liza. Terrific! Great. She is terrific. hmm I saw her at the palace. Gave oh, her a standing th- ovation for every freaking keychain she did. Oh, oh, did you? Oh my god, did I ever. So now we're moving into this section where my last guest is going to ask you a question.
1: Oh.
0: Uh, this is a question from Matt Mitchell, who is actually performing a show at Theatre for the New City right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> If you could go back and change something about your process from your previous project you worked on, what would it be? So for my previous project, I'm going to say
1: Nibbler, Ken Urban's Nibbler that I've just closed last night at the Rattlestick that I did with the Amoralists. And if I could go back and change anything in the process, um. Uh, Again, I feel like this is such an annoying actorly thing to say because it sort of is my process. I would just genuinely be less uh, terrified and pessimistic in rehearsals. Sure. I, I, Myself and one of the other actors in the show, Rachel Franco, who's an absolutely brilliant actress who made a stunning debut in Nibbler, Got a nice shout-out in The Times and many other places. We just would sit paralyzed in fear in rehearsals that we were going to be fired, that we were terrible. We, we cried in a CVS together during tech. I mean, it was really, we were very self-conscious. So obviously I, I would like to remove that pain from myself. But uh, it ended up giving the show a lot of oomph and a lot of grief when we started performances. So I don't know. It's a give and a take.
0: So now is your turn to ask, ask my next guest, guest a question. Um <clears throat> uh, let's see.
1: And I don't get to know who the next guest is. No, we don't do know. Not. We don't know who the next guest is. I mean, I is. do, but you don't. Mhm. I don't. So, I would like to ask the next guest um what they thought of my performance in Diva and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, man, to think of a thoughtful question, this is, this is really on the spot. Uh, what work that you've seen or, or who, uh, has informed your work as a theater artist most? Is that even a coherent question that I just asked? Yeah, there's got some, you got something something in in there. Yeah, you know, what or who
0: has informed your work work most. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Okay. Where can we find you on social media? Facebook
1: at SP Monahan, which is sort of the new brand that's that's in the midst of being born. Um, Twitter at SPM is a diva. How fitting. Yes. And now on Instagram, brand new. Brand new, s.p.monahan, M-O-N-A-H-A-N. And that's it.
0: Is there any social media for
1: the show? Um, we've got our website, is divalivefromhell.com, and we've got a Facebook page,
0: divalivefromhell, like it. Um, and yeah,
1: and that's what we've got.
0: Great. Well, if you've made it this far into the podcast, please let us know by using hashtag I am a Kevin Klein. Yes. Diva Alive from Hell is at Theater for the New City, March 23rd through April 9th. Come check it out. Thank and you, Michael. G- wait at the stage door for an autograph. Yes, absolutely. I will be
1: signing autographs in the nude the whole time.
0: He, well, I, but I, I won't be. Be. he's not but, gonna...
1: I, but the thing is, I wouldn't get in trouble if I were. It's that <laughs> not, kind of theater. Not
0: there. <laughs> um, yeah, he's probably not going to sign your um, program. It's going to be like already pre-signed headshots. Yes, from my childhood. Oh, Oh my God, I hope I get one. Sean Patrick, thank you. Thank you, Michael. A huge thank you to Sean Patrick for coming on the show. Don't forget to visit our Patreon page for information on becoming a patron. And if you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenown.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.